Highlands, what an amazing song. I just love the imagery of that song and the message straight out of Psalm 23. And uh, that's cool too because we're jumping into another psalm in a minute. Listen, I have a couple of talks for you lined up here before we jump into our next like full blowout series. I wanted to take a moment to address something that I think is really important for us right now and it's the topic of rest. And so these next messages I have for you, there's just going to be a, a couple, are going to focus on a new space for rest. We're going to jump into that in a minute, but as always, I just really hope that you know that if you are part of our online location, you're part of our church in every way, and whether you're watching this on YouTube or on our online campus, uh, gracefreechurch.live, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're your team, we're your pastors, we love you and we are here for you. And uh, would you just pray with me before we jump into God's word together? Dear God, we're so thankful for this opportunity to jump into your word and we're thankful for what you have for each of us. We're coming to this space wherever we're watching it in all different kinds of places, dealing with all different kinds of things. With so much distraction and heartache being thrown at us all the time. And what we need is we just need some space for you to do your thing. So I pray that in these moments you just free us from distraction. Help us to really lean into you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're jumping into these couple of talks called A New Space for Rest. And it's because, man... I think a whole lot of us are carrying around, um, well, we're just tired on the inside. And, and that's what I'm calling this message, I guess. It's tired on the inside. I, I think a whole lot of us are just really worn out. And yeah, things are bouncing back to normal. And we look okay on the outside. We're doing lots of good stuff. And maybe we're even excited about the things that are coming back to normal. But on the inside, there's this unresolved thing that's been going on for quite some time. We've been carrying extra burdens for the last year. We've faced unprecedented challenges, both in our world and in our homes and in our hearts. As we had to wrestle with all kinds of things that, well, it just added so much hurt and heartache and stress to what were, before 2020, already stressed out hearts and heads. You see, we've been running thin for a really long time. And I want to talk to you about being tired. I mean, every time I talk to people, they mention how tired they are. And I always remember this story. I was in college. I, I was working in the admissions office. And, um, and so the soccer team would tap me to go pick up soccer students, one, because I was working in admissions, and I was also a student athlete who played on the soccer team. So anytime we had new athletes coming in, our soccer coach would hit me up to go pick them up at the airport. And sometimes I'd have to pick up a student flying in by themselves. Sometimes I'd pick up a student and a parent. And uh, I remember not setting my alarm great. I had, I had scheduled to be picking up at Midway Airport in downtown Chicago. That's not, you know, there's like nice airports, and then there's like not nice airports. You know, and then there's like not, not nice airports. I'm sorry if you like love Midway Airport in Chicago, but it's like a not, not nice airport. I'd rather do the airport where you have to like 
walk across the tarmac with your own bag and stick it in, uh, you know, load your own luggage in your plane, then go to Midway Airport. O'Hare is the nice airport in Chicago. Midway is literally where I have watched gangsters buy out all the Beanie Babies from the little stands to give to their minion children or whatever. That's terrible. I shouldn't have said that. God loves gangsters and their children too. And, uh, but Midway is just not a, it's not a super nice airport. It's, it's old, it's beat up, it's in a bad area. It's, it's not where you want to fly into. I had been out too late the night before and I remember just being so exhausted as I woke up late, I had to rush down to Midway to pick up this uh, father and son, and there I am in the middle of the airport. I get there running late, and I get this message I was so grateful for. It just said, like, man, you, uh, we're, our plane's running two hours late. I uh, just wanted to let you know. I was like, great. I was so tired. Uh, they, they have those old chairs in Midway where, you know, you have like the, the little soft cushion, almost like fake leather wrapped with the metal arms that come in. They're about this wide, which at the time was still too skinny for me. Now I, I probably have to straddle the armrest or whatever. But like, I was so exhausted and so wiped out, I just decided it didn't matter. I couldn't care anymore that I was going to get mugged or stolen or somebody was going to drag me into the back hallway of this terrible airport and like harvest a kidney from me. I didn't even care. I was just so tired. Nothing else mattered. I lay down in the middle of that airport and slept like a rock for two hours. I didn't wake up until they called me when they were wandering down the, the, the whatever they call, you know, you know what they call it, right? Like the thing. I was so exhausted that it just didn't matter anymore. Nothing else mattered anymore. My, my, my caution was thrown out the wind. My filter was, everything was just didn't matter. All I needed to do was crash. Exhaustion looks like that. When, when you're tired on the inside, even more so when you're just tired on the outside, it puts you at such big risk. You, you don't have capacity to care anymore about things you should care about, like your health or like the people around you. It doesn't matter what's going to happen next. All you can think about is what's happening right now, and it's overwhelming. You just need it to stop. Add on top of the risk that be running exhausted adds to your life, you have all kinds of other complications, like you can be physically tired and still have a good day. Some of my best days have been after, uh, have been physically tiring days, but when you're emotionally exhausted... It affects everything. See, when you're tired on the inside, you're tired everywhere. And it's hard to cover up and easy to see. It doesn't just slip out in subtle ways. It slips out in big ways. You lose your patience faster. You start crying at commercials or, you know, reels on Instagram. They last 15 seconds and they leave you emotionally wrecked for an hour your filter goes right out the window, which is why some of y'all like to come when you come in person to the 11 o'clock service at church because I'm tired and my filter's gone. You know, you, you lose your capacity to cope with the challenges life throws at you. You can just start bawling your eyes out for no reason. 
when you're tired on the inside, it affects everything. And it's hard to keep up with it. The longer you are tired on the inside, the less the stuff that normally gives you rest works. It's true. It used to be that a day off would kind of reset you, get you focused. Maybe going to a ball game would get your head straight and your heart straight. Maybe taking a day off from work and staying at home and watching some Netflix or napping would recenter you and give you a little bit of breathing room in your heart. But you find that those things just aren't working anymore. You're carrying a lot of baggage, painful, heavy stuff, some of it under the surface, and it's taking its toll on you because it is wearing you out emotionally. You're tired on the inside. It's why we get warnings now about road rage incidents, and that stuff is on the news all the time. It seems like everybody is running on such a short fuse. We have been tired on the inside for a really long time. It always comes out. Uh, this passage we're going to look at today is in Psalm 62. I'm going to read the first part of it, and we'll get to the rest of it later. It's, it's a passage that's written in the midst of despair, the kind of despair that we experience. I mean, even maybe even greater, but like the kind of despair we can relate to when we realize that we're getting desperate and exhausted and nothing seems to be making it any better. In Psalm 62, it says this. It says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now, that sounds really positive, but don't miss this next part here, because this is really what's going on for David, the author of this passage. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? You ever feel like life? Like you're just riding the tottering fence? The walls are leaning and it's about to fall over. Man, surely they intend to topple me. His issue, it wasn't just circumstantial, it was relational. From my lofty place, they take delight in lies, and with their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. And here we go again. Yes, my soul finds rest. We're talking about a new space for rest in your life. My soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him. For God is our refuge. What's so interesting about this passage, this psalm, is it was written in the context of devastation, desperation. You see, this passage was written by King David, who was, whose life was being threatened, whose kingship was threatened to be stolen from his very own son, Absalom. The story of Absalom and his encounter with David as he tries to overthrow and seal his dad's kingdom, the nation of Israel, from him is recorded in 2 Samuel verses 15 through um, 16. And 
Absalom's got this crazy, very painful story of throwing over his father, David. He had been so manipulative and so, it was just going bad in a really bad way. Absalom had tried so much to like build momentum to overthrow. David was doing a bunch of stuff behind his back, was manipulating the, the nation, manipulating and lying to leaders that were close to David to pull them away, deceiving people around David, all to kind of build his own army to claim Israel and to kill and overthrow his father David. I mean, the wounds that are greatest in our lives come from the people close to us. And that salt is something that many of you can taste. Because the, the biggest betrayals that you've experienced, the, the toughest hardships, the biggest emotional battles that you have to fight, the stuff you go to therapy for, a lot of times those wounds have come at the hands of people close to us. We all have our Absaloms, people that we've let in or trust, people that we loved but didn't love us back or at, not the way at least we were extending love to them. People who have used us or manipulated us or betrayed us. People have walked out on us. People have lied about us or spread rumors about us. People that are close to us hold the most power to do the most damage. We all have Absaloms, and maybe you've been wrestling with some of that this last year. On top of all of the stress that's been exhausting you and all of the burden and all of the uncertainty and decisions that you've had to make, it hasn't been easy with people close to you. And you've been suffering because those relationships are splintered or broken. Or maybe it's not that something's going south. It's that you've just been carrying the extra burden of people that you love. When things aren't going easy for us, it's one thing, but when things aren't going easy for the people we love, we all take on that extra burden and try to carry it as best as we can. And some of the most exhausting circumstances we ever have to deal with are circumstances when we're hurt by people close to us or when people are close to us are hurting and we carry it along with them. It's emotionally exhausting. So I just wanted to capture that picture because David is in probably one of the worst moments of his life. He has to flee his kingdom as Absalom, his son, with his stolen army, is coming to take him out. It captures his heart in verse 30. We don't, we don't got time to run into the whole message. So get yourself a Bible. And if you want to read the whole story of David's life, it's brilliant. If you want to read the whole story of this betrayal, you can jump into it in Samuel. But this verse in 30 in chapter 15 captures David's heart. It would be like this through the rest of the story until Absalom is dead and gone. The rebellion is quelled and David is still overcome with the kind of grief you see in this passage until somebody snaps, somebody close to him that he trusts and loves, snaps him out of it. It says this, it says, But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered, and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too, and were weeping as they went up. It's a picture of just 
devastation. He was wrecked. And if you're tired on the inside, you might be holding it together pretty well on the outside. But you're on the verge of this kind of despair too. We got to do something about being tired on the inside. What we got to do is we got to find some space to rest on the inside, to find some breathing room on the inside, to get our souls rested and our hearts rested. We have to make space for rest, not just the normal space or the old space. We have to make new space for rest. David, he's got his Absalom, and it is crushing him, and this is the picture of his heart. And what I want to ask you is, what are the circumstances of your life that are crushing your heart? You've probably been trying to avoid them, but they're still exhausting you. What are the questions that you don't have answered that are exhausting your heart? What are the what are the relationships that are adding burden to your life, both the struggle and the, the, the close ones? What, what's adding burden to your life that's exhausting you on the inside? I've been tired on the inside, and I need new space for rest. I want you to know that if you're in the middle of this kind of despair that David is, you're not alone. You never were alone. Stop believing the lies that you're in it by yourself. And don't believe the lie that it's just you or there's something wrong with you or you did it wrong. We all get to these spaces in life and we need to remember if you're emotionally exhausted and tired on the inside, you're not alone. It's not going to be like this forever. Don't give up. You can find new space to experience the kind of rest you need in your soul. Just like when you're tired on the inside emotionally, it affects everything. When you find rest on the inside, it affects everything too. Jumping back to Psalm 62, it's... uh, It paints a little bit more of a picture of what David's trying to convince himself of and preach at the same time. I'm so guilty of that. There's a whole lot of times where I'm up here and speaking to you through the camera or on the stage if you're in an in-person thing where I'm worn out too. I'm so tired right now on the inside. I've been struggling and I've been fighting for two weeks to find rest on the inside. It seems like a never-ending list of burdens that are just hard to carry. They should be hard to carry. What I need to do is what David's doing here in this passage. Like I need to learn it and preach it and remind myself of it all over again. It's something that I have to keep coming back to until I help create the new space for rest in my heart. That's not passive. That's active. And David takes this active stance as he writes this pen from the midst of heartbreak, from the crushing circumstances in his home. He is exhausted on the inside. And he says this, he says, My God, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. And then in verses 3 and 4, it really comes clear what kind of mess he was dealing with. He goes on this rant about how he's really feeling. And then in verse 
five, he kicks it in again, and he says, yes, my soul will find rest in God. My hope comes from him. He is my rock and my salvation. It's like a little faith sandwich. I love sandwiches. You're like, we know you talk about food all the time. Sandwiches are one of my favorite things, even though I try to eat a lot less bread nowadays. And what makes a sandwich is the bread. I don't want to hear about your bowls without bread. I know we got all the low-carb stuff going on. I know we get all excited about all of these fresh options. Maybe even got a gluten thing, and you're like, whoa, this whole part of this talk is a little bit cautious. Listen, listen, I don't care if you disagree, the best part of the sandwich is the bread because it's what holds it all in place and keeps the stuff in the middle all together. You take away the bread, you just got a jacked up weird salad. Maybe it doesn't even have lettuce. It's just a pile of bologna and meat and cheese or whatever, or peanut butter and jelly in a bowl. The bread is what makes the sandwich. It keeps the garbage in the middle, the, the, the good stuff in the middle. It keeps whatever's in the middle in perspective. Do you know the sandwich was invented by a poker player in the 1700s? His name was John Montague, and he had a massive gambling problem. And while I'm not going to celebrate his gambling problem, I will celebrate this result of it. I don't know if it's proof that God can work in all things for the good of those who love him or not. Don't get mad at me for that. But a sandwich was the end result. He's playing poker these long extended periods of time and he yells to the kitchen help like, I don't want to get up from the table and break my card game. You need to make me a meal I can eat without getting up and I can hold on to. So he invents the sandwich. The, the, the kitchen people actually invented the sandwich. But as all things ran in, nine, in 17, whatever, 62, you know, the people who should have gotten credit probably didn't get credit. The degenerate gambler is the one who gets credit for making the sandwich popular. The bread is what makes the sandwich. It keeps everything in place. And here you have this faith sandwich. It's a faith sandwich. You gotta, you gotta start to eat. <laughs> he starts with all of this stuff about God. It's a reality he's ascribing to that he doesn't feel right now. We got to stop letting our feelings drive our faith. That's not how it's supposed to happen. Most of the time, it doesn't feel great. Life doesn't feel great all the time. We need to ascribe to a new reality. That's where the strength comes from in our lives. And so he starts this acknowledging a reality he knows to be true that he doesn't Feel. There are some realities that you know to be true because of your faith that you need to announce to be true even though you don't feel them. You need to claim them to be true even though you don't feel them. And that's what David starts here. Maybe you're not a person of faith and you're watching this. What you're missing out on is the anchor of the reality of the promises of God that we can claim to even when life gets difficult because we know if God said it, it'll prove to be true. We don't have to prove it to you. It'll prove to be true in our hearts. It's some of the best stuff you could ever experience in life, and it's for you, whoever you are. He starts acknowledging a reality that he didn't feel. I will find my rest in God. My faith helps me rest on the inside. 
It's believing what is true even when I don't feel it. It's claiming a promise even when I can't see it. Then he fills the middle of the sandwich with all the stuff that he needs to keep in perspective. I wonder what you would fill your sandwich with right now. His is like, man, they're trying to topple me over. Things aren't going good. Life feels like I'm walking on a wobbly fence. They're spreading all kinds of lies about me. What would you put in the middle of your sandwich right now? The addictions, financial struggles, health failures, betrayals of people around you, the loneliness. What struggles are you dealing with that you would put into that sandwich right now? Your own failures, your own mistakes, the uncertainty of life, the anger and the bitterness you're carrying around? Put it in there and then follow it with the reminder we all need. I, don't, I, don't, I hope you're tracking with that, right? A reality I got to claim, the garbage that's going on in my life, and then the reminder that I need over and over and over again. And here's the beautiful picture of how David settles his heart and finds a new space for rest in the middle of the most traumatic experience of his life. He says, this is the truth, I'm going to claim it. This is the garbage going on in my life. And this is what I need to be reminded of. I will find my rest in God. He's my refuge. He's my strength. He's my fortress. He's my salvation. I don't feel it right now, but I'm going to say it loud for the people in the back. I'm going to tell you all the stuff I got going on in my heart. I'm going to lay it all out in front of God. I'm not going to hide the garbage that I've been carrying around under the surface. And then I will remember, I will remind myself that God hasn't left me, that he's with me no matter what, that he's got my back, that he's going to protect me and see me through whatever I'm going through. It's the faith sandwich you got to eat right now. Like, take a pen and paper out. Pause the video. Write down some things in your life that are just straight-up junk, wearing you out. Put the names of your Absalons on there, and then above it and below it, write the truth you need to claim. God's got you. He will see you through. You can lean in and depend on Him. You can rest in who he is. You see, that's not passive. It's not passive at all. That's practice. What you see here in David is him practicing finding rest in the most difficult circumstances. It brings him to a new place. It brings him to the place in verse 8 where this reminder of who God is and how much God loves him and what he'll do to him sets him up to be able to spread his rest to all the people around him and all the people that would hear this psalm. He overflows in a few short verses with the confidence that comes from knowing that you can rest in God because he has you. And so he says, hey, remember everybody, Everybody listening to this song, everybody reading this, like you can trust God. Pour your heart out to him. 
it's never been easier to write an application to a message than this one because David sums it up right there in this verse. He's four things like he is, he is our rock, our foundation. He's what you can build your life on. How, what are you building your life on and how's it working? In this passage, it says that he is our salvation. He's your rescue. What do you need rescuing from? Ultimately, we need rescuing from our own sins. What do you need rescuing from? He will rescue you, redeem you, and give you a new start with him, a clean slate. It says that he is our fortress. It's like the fortified, safe space you can hide in when things get difficult. That's why so many people love coming to church or jumping on to our online location because you get a taste of that fortress when you come into the space where he meets with us. It's, he's our refuge. It's like the shield you carry out through life when all of a sudden the fiery darts, the rain starts coming, the, the attacks start coming, the lies start hitting you as you're going through life. You can hold him up and duck up underneath him and say, ah, not today. My truth is this. God's got me. He's my protector. He's my refuge. He's got me. He loves me. I'm his. He would go on in this passage, Psalm 62, we don't have time for it now, to to dismantle all the things we try to treat as our refuge that don't work. You can check those verses out in verse 9 and 10. We often pick things like that to be our refuge, our safe place, and they end up running out, especially as we get tired on the inside. But he ends with this very cool thing at the very end of this. We'll, we'll end with this right now, right? Like, one thing God has spoken, two things I've heard. <laughs> Only God can multiply like that. Only God can take a message and multiply it like that. I'm saying one thing. You're hearing what you need to hear from God like he's sending it to you because he loves you. And this is what he heard. Power belongs to you, God. And with you, Lord, is unfailing love. That's how we walk forward. As we claim the truth we need. We lay out all the junk in between, and then we remind ourselves over and over again in who we are in God and who he is to us. We walk forward in his power and his love. That's it. In 2 Corinthians, it teaches us that God's power is made perfect in your weakness, so if you're tired on the inside right now, just embrace it and be honest about it. There's no need to hide it. After Paul wrote that verse under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he went on to boast about all his weaknesses. He was bragging it down in church, preaching the message like, hey, I got all this junk and it's pretty weak about me, but I'm going to hold it up. I'm going to brag about it. I'm going to let people see it because in my weakness, God's strength is perfected. So if you're feeling weak and tired on the inside, you don't got to hide it or shove it away or pretend anymore. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. As David said, just pour it out to him and pour it out to someone who loves you, who loves him too. We walk forward in his strength and in his love. And if you're tired on the inside, you need to know his unfailing love is a love that nothing can separate from you. In Romans chapter 8, it lists it all out, 31 through 39. Check it out. Scribble it on your mirror and lipstick like some crazy person. Do whatever you got to do to remember it. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
not height nor depth, angel nor demon, not life, not death. Nothing can separate you from the love God has for you. So if you're tired and worn out on the inside, maybe a burden you've been carrying that you're not even, you haven't even acknowledged. If you're beaten down or tired or exhausted, this one's for you. You're not alone. Claim the truth that you don't feel. Remind yourself of who God is and who you are to God. Walk forward in his strength while you acknowledge your weakness and know that nothing can separate you from his love as David said, trust him. He is good and he loves you. Pour out your heart to him. He is your refuge. Don't just acknowledge this message passively, but practice it today, this week. It's, it's okay that you're tired. God's got you. You can turn to him. You can lean into him and be found in him. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that, man, you are our refuge, our rock, our fortress. I feel like David a lot. I'm worn out and I'm tired and I, I just need to have that faith sandwich, man. I got the a long list of junk in the middle, but the bread's the most important part. You are good, and I will find my rest in you. You are good, and I will find my rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen.